Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Doing good. Start of a new year. Excited about that. Some of you have made plans for that. You've got all kinds of goals that you've already set up, and some of you have already given up. In Jesus' name, I don't know. I mean, that's what the data says, you know, it's like people make it about a week or two, you know, and it goes from there. But, but, you know, one of the things that I know is that all of us are thinking about this next year. We're all thinking about what it looks like, what it looks like for me, what are the things that I want to be doing in this next year. And, and this is the thing that I've come to in my life is that when I want to get better, one of the best places that I can look is my relationship with God. Because when I focus on my relationship with God, the very power that I need to become, whatever it is that, that God is calling me to become, is there and it's available to me. And so my hope is, is that this will be the best year of your life because you learn to repeat. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what that means as we go. But, but uh, there's a marketing idea out there, and it's a principle that they use, and it's called the rule of, the, rule of seven. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the rule of seven, but it's basically this idea that your prospect, you know, whoever that person is, uh, if you make sure they see something at least seven times, if they take notice of that thing at least seven times, that they may take action. Get that. So if they see it at least seven times, they may take action. Now, in marketing, that's a good thing. You want people to do something, you know, and so you advertise it, you market it in order to get them to do something, buy something, go somewhere, or whatever. But I wondered if we took that principle, because I think that principle comes from God anyway. I think, tr I think all truth comes from God. And so if it's true, then I believe it comes from God. And as I began to examine the scriptures, one of the things I noticed is that the Bible talks about that stuff. And so listen to this. I want to read our series verse to you. This is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. But then he says, I never get tired of telling you these things. Do you see the repeat in that? And I do in order to safeguard your faith. Now listen to the way that Philippians 3, 1 in the message says it. And it's about, oh, and that's about it, friends. Be glad in God. Don't mind. I don't mind. What does it say? Repeating what I have written in earlier letters. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry. So here goes. This is the Apostle Paul reiterating to the church important things that they need to be applying into their life. And so this idea of repeating is really significant to our success. And sometimes in the church, we like to call it developing spiritual habits or developing spiritual disciplines in our life. These are the actions that we take in order for us to be more like Jesus. Now, it's important you understand that this isn't about you working harder to get God to love you. Because that's important you see that. Because sometimes what happens is we get that confused. We get confused around this idea that if I just do good, that God will love me more. If I just do good, then maybe, just maybe, I'll make it to heaven. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever thought that, but that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that if you will give your life, if you will put your faith in and trust in Christ Jesus for what he has done on your behalf, you will be saved. It's not by your actions, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a part to play. 
That doesn't mean that there aren't habits or activities that you need to put in your life in order to become more like Jesus in this life. And so this entire series is about helping us repeat the right things. Because when we repeat the right things, the life that we want, the, 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 the aspects of God that we want, the, the interests that we have, all that stuff starts to, 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 to really, I, I get fuel injected, if you will. Fuel injected for the things that God has for us. And, and uh, on this past Sunday, I don't know if you were here, but, but David did such a fabulous job of talking about the importance of fasting. And so I won't spend a lot of time on that this morning. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. But I thought that was just a fabulous way to go about thinking about this new year because many of you right now are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so you're fasting and you're connecting with God. And just a simple definition of that is it's, a, it's this idea of uh, creating space that God can fill. And so you're taking some things out to create some space in order that God might fill them. And so if you missed that, you can go back and listen to it. But today, I want to talk about the importance of reading your Bible and repeating. Reading your Bible and repeating. It's important that you get this. And so here's the key thought if you're taking notes, and that is read it and repeat it before you need it. Read it and repeat it before you need it. Because so often what happens is when we need it, we go to it. You know what I mean? Things get hard. You're having a bad day. So you go to the Psalms. You're like, please, God, help me feel good. Please help me feel better about my life. You know, you're just reaching for something. And I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, of course you should reach for God in a crisis. Of course you should reach to God when you're struggling or when you need it. But this series is about just not need. It's about creating habits. It's about creating an activity, a behavior, a repetition that will ultimately lead to this foundation of strength that we all need in our lives. And so rather than reading it when we need it, we should read it before we need it and spend time repeating it because that is how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to build a strong foundation. And so often people will reach for it only when they need it. And what and here's the thing that I think is interesting about that is that we always need it. You know what I mean? Like we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. Well, I only need it today. I only need it when I'm going through this hard thing. And the reality is I need it every day. I've said this from the stage before is that, that without the Bible, without regular feasting on God's word, without that in my life, I'm a dangerous person. I say things and do things I shouldn't say or do. And I'm sure I'm the only one. Because the rest of you are just angels, aren't you? Never do anything. Oh, yeah. I'm your pastor. I know it's not true. I do. And you know what I'm talking about. Is I don't have regular time. I just know that when I wake up in the morning, if I don't feast on God's word, I'm crankier. I'm shorter with my wife. You know, I'm shorter with my kids. I get to work and maybe I'm grumpier. And that's the thing we've got to see is it the word of God begins to bathe over us and change our moods, changes our focus, allows us to see what's real. When we get so focused on the little things, we forget the big things. 
And God is trying to help us, and that's why he wants us. And so it's not about you have to do this because God wants to ruin your life or bore you to death. It's not that at all. God is trying to connect with you. The God who loves you, the God who made you, the God who desires a relationship with you has put a book in your hand so that you can get to know that God. And that's what's so important as we get this idea that we have to read it and repeat it before we need it. You know, there's this data out there that says that about 88% of homes in the United States have a Bible in it. You know, that seems pretty good. Cool. I have like a 20. You know, I don't know how many you have. And some of you have them in your phone, so you have like 9,000. You know, if there are 9,000 Bibles, I don't know. Maybe there are versions of the Bible, I mean. Uh, but, but, but this idea that, that there are Bibles in homes, but only like 37% of people would say that they read it at least once a week. 37% of the 88. And I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. And this isn't just to give you like some ideas so that you feel guilty about your life. It's just simply to say this is what seems to be real. And, one, and, and there are several reasons why people say that they don't read the Bible. The Beebles. That was like Elmer Fudd, wasn't it? It was good. Some of you are so young, you don't even know who Elmer Fudd is. So... <laughs> so good but you know there are these phrases that I hear these phrases that people come up with that that that, that talk about why they don't you know why I don't read the Bible why I don't put this in my life and so here are a few a few responses that I often hear repeated number one is that I'm too busy come on you've probably all said it you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter like where you are in life. It's just always a good one, right? You pull that one out. You know, I'm just really busy, pastor. I'm just too busy, pastor. I'm too busy, friend. I'm too busy, George. I'm too busy, Susan. I'm too busy. You get it. And, and, and we say that, but I think that's kind of a weak excuse. I know you're all busy and I know that you think you're the most important person in the world, True? Come on. I think we think our schedules are the most important things in the world. Uh, and, it, you know, if it's your schedule, it's definitely the most important. And if it's my schedule, it doesn't matter as much. But, but think about this for a second. Like, I get it. I get the idea that I'm too busy. I'm busy, too. You're busy. We're all busy. But think about this. There are people in this world that you have to admit are busier than you. Like, there are people in this world that literally their schedules are back to back to back to back. Maybe in like 30 or 15 minute increments. They're that important. You got it? And there are those kinds of individuals that are still able to find time to read their Bibles. So this idea that I'm too busy, I think, I, I always like, I use the president test. Because like the president is busier than I am. Right? I mean, you would say that's true. He's probably busier than me. And so I use the president test when I, say, when I think I'm too busy to do something. What it really is saying, what I'm really saying is I don't want to make it a priority. I don't want to actually make this a priority. And so this is a phrase I'll give to you. You're actually too busy not to read. You're too busy not to read the Bible. You're too busy not to read the Bible. Because see, what happens when you get busy, what happens? You get short. I'm moving from here to here. I don't have time for this relationship. 
I don't have time for this conversation. I don't have time for people. I don't have time to see people the way God sees people. I don't have time to be interrupted by this. And the thing that I found is sometimes it's in the interruptions that God is moving. And he's asking me to look at this person as a human and, and give them something. Give them some words, some life, something to help them in their journey. But yet I'm too busy. And the truth is, is I'm, I, 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 I don't believe that. I believe that, that I'm too busy not to pray, not to read, not to focus on the things that God wants. Matter of fact, this, this pastor figured out, his name is G. Campbell Morgan, says that the Bible can be read from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 at pulpit rate. That was how he described it. So if I was sitting here reading from the Bible to you at pulpit rate, and it would only take 78 hours. If, I, if we all just kind of camped in, Right, and we got we brought our our snack lunches and our brown bags, and we stayed here for seventy eight hours. What he says is that I can read through the whole Bible to you within seventy eight hours, and I always think about that. Isn't that interesting to think that many of us have been Christians for a long time and we've never read through the Bible, and yet it only takes seventy eight hours. Isn't that interesting? I think it's something we have to consider. I think it's something that we have to look at. And then I just challenge you, could you not give him 10 minutes? Could you not read something? Could you not press in just a little bit? Because I don't think it's an issue of time. I think a lot of times it's an issue of desire. It just really is. And I'm not trying to ruin your parade today, you know. I'm just trying to help you see that the excuses that sometimes we make are not valid, even though we believe them. So here are some other things I've heard repeated, and that is, I don't understand it, right? I mean, you've probably read the Bible, and you've read things, and you get to the genealogies, and they're just like, so-and-so begets so-and-so, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so. You're like, hard name, hard name, hard name, hard name, hard name, hard name, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, half these names I can't even say. And so you get frustrated. You're like, I don't understand. I don't get it. And so it keeps you from pressing in to what God has for you. But here's the kicker. Do you not think God knew that you would struggle in the 20th century, the 21st century, to read a book that is that old? Of course he did. And he solved that problem. Listen, I'll, I'll just show you. In John 16, 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the excuse that says I can't understand it is not true. Not only do you have your own ability as a human being, but you also have supernatural power through the Holy Spirit to understand it. So the truth is, is it's just a lack of effort. It's a lack of saying, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you help me learn? Will you help me understand? And, and, and here I'll just give you some tips. Get a translation that makes sense to you. There are so many modern translations out there. And I've encouraged adults to get kids' Bibles before because that's what makes sense to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Put your pride in your pocket and pick up that children's Bible and read. It will help you. There's this great kids' Bible called uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm telling you, it is so good. I love to read this book. Pick it up. You will learn so much from that book. It, it really will help you if you struggle to understand. It'll get you started. And so I just encourage you to remember that God has already planned for you. He has a plan. He's already set it up. 
And he's given you the Holy Spirit so that you will understand. The last one that I hear is, oh, a myriad of things. Here, I'll just give it to you. I can't because insert whatever you want. I don't know what excuses you have or what things that keep you from it. I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't because of this. I just think sometimes we got to be honest. I can't because maybe I'm just being lazy. I can't because I'm undisciplined. I can't because, you know, I'm not really interested in it. I can't because, honestly, I think it's kind of boring. Come on. And so we have these things that we say. We have excuses. We have ideas. But let me just say this to you. The words that we speak and repeat matter more than we know. When I say I can't, that creates an environment for my thoughts. And my thoughts start to believe that I can't. And so when I say I can't, when I say I'm too busy, when I say these things, the Bible clearly says that it creates an environment for either success or no success. And I'll show you. I'm not just making this stuff up. And so the things that we speak and repeat matter more than we know. Look at Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a lot to be in the power of a tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of either life or death. And so the words I speak either lead to more life or lead to more death. And when I speak words over my life like can't, which my mama used to always say, can't never could do nothing, could he? You ever heard that one? That's countrified right there. Can't never could do nothing, could he? And that's true, isn't it? If you can't, then I guess you can't. But what if you stopped saying things like that? What if you started speaking what's real? Because can't seems like a weird thing to say when you have the God of the universe on your side. I mean, it just seems weird to me to come, come to a situation or a circumstance or something that I can't do anything about, so to speak, and believe that the God who did everything can't help me with it. It's important we understand that. It's important we start to see the words we're speaking over our life. Listen to what Matthew 12, 37 says. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And so the things we speak really matter. So, so what if this? What if, what if instead of saying I can't and I'm too busy, what if we started saying I can? What if we started saying, you know what? I'm not too busy. What if I started saying there is no one or no thing in this world that will keep me from fellowshipping with my God? What if I just changed the way I think? Matter of fact, the Bible even talks about repentance being about having a new thought. What if I just had a new thought? What if I stopped thinking the old ways and started believing that I'm not too busy, that I can understand, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that when I start to think I can't, that I can start to believe I can because God is more than able through me to, to accomplish all the things that he said he would. And so I got to read it and I got to repeat it before I need it. It's important. You may be asking why at this point. I don't know. But there are these repeating benefits that come from it. You will benefit from this lifestyle. You will benefit from putting the word of God in you. 
It's important because, see, we shouldn't just read the book like any other book. We should treat it like something more than just a book. I think sometimes the reason we get tripped up is we treat the book, the Bible, as entertainment. Because everything in our life is entertainment. If it doesn't entertain me, I don't do it. And I think that's curious. Because the Bible is not here for my entertainment. The Bible is here to be a conduit between me and God so that I can hear his voice. And if I'm not entertained, God's probably like, so? I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to share what matters. And isn't it true that sometimes entertainment is just shallow? It doesn't lead to any depth in our life. And so the Bible's not here to entertain me. Listen, listen to how, how Paul writes about it. It's so powerful what he says about the Bible in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. He says, all scripture is. Do you see the word is? It's important you see that. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's not, it doesn't say to make you always feel good. It's there to help you build the character that God wants to build in you. And you can't do that with always being comfortable. And so the Bible is breathed for our benefit in, in 17 and says that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, that pretty much covers it. But I, I don't know if you noticed it says is breathed. It's not, it's not saying that it was breathed just for the was, right? It's not saying it was just for the old times. It wasn't just for the New Testament. It was actually for you too. It is happening today. It is being breathed into you if you allow it. Matter of fact, it is the most relevant book that you could ever read. Because it will help you in your circumstance right now, wherever you are. Listen to the way, listen to the way the writer of Hebrew says this, and he talks about how profitable and powerful the word of God is. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is, is, see it? Living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of the soul and the spirit of joint and marrow and the discerning of thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Whoa! The Bible knows your thoughts. The Bible reads you. The places you don't talk about at night or share with people, the Bible knows. And it's trying to help you see how you can get those things in line with God. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we will give an account. I always think it's funny when we try to hide from God. You know what I mean? Some of us have hidden sins right now that we're unwilling to give to the Lord. And it's like we really believe he doesn't know. But we've tried to convince ourselves. And he's just saying, hey, come clean, man. I see you. You come to me. We'll figure that out. I love you. You don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to hide. And No, no, let's not do that. Because see, this isn't some dead book about some dead people and some dead God. 
This is a book that is active and alive for my good. And God wants each one of you to know that. God wants you to know it so well. He wants you to understand that the Bible is something that we read because it helps us, it heals us, it guides us, it transforms us. Everything that we need can be found in it. And I think sometimes, and I said this earlier, is our desire to be entertained is the problem. Maybe I'm not entertained when I read the Bible. Maybe that's okay. Because it's not there for my entertainment. Now, there are some really entertaining things in the Bible. I'm serious. I mean, there is some good stuff, but, but it's not there for that purpose. It's there to help me become more like God. And so I just want to give you a couple of things this morning that will help you. I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know if you've never read the Bible. Maybe you're kind of in the middle. Maybe you've been in this game a long time. You know, whatever it is. I just want to give you a couple of tips to help you. You know, because we've talked about the why, but how? How do we do it? Here's just one suggestion I'll give you over, over this next month that maybe you consider to begin to repeat in your life. And that is just read a psalm a day. Like there are... There are a bunch of Psalms. As a matter of fact, it's the longest book in the Bible. And you could read one of those a day and simply ask these questions. Here are a few questions I'll give you. If you want to write them down, you can. What does this passage say about the nature of God? Just very general question. What does this passage say about the nature of people? Okay? What does it say about the nature of God? What does it say about the nature of people? And what are five things I can be thankful for in this passage? What are five things that I can be thankful for in this passage? And I believe this. If you'll just start to do that, if you'll just start to add that to your life every morning, just, just kind of do this thing, it'll begin to affect you the way you think, the way you see things, the way you work, all of it will begin to, to happen for you. Now, the other one is, is something that we do around here called SOAP. It's, uh, it just stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And I did a whole series on this last January. And so if you want to go listen to that series, you can go back and find it in the archives on our website or even on the app. But it basically is just a structure to engage multiple places in your brain and stuff to be able to help you stay focused. Because how many of us have read Scripture and then we get to the end of it and we forget what was said? What soap does, it actually engages your senses more because you're going to journal a little bit as you do it. And so you read the scripture, you make a few observations, like I noticed that Jesus walked on water, right? So that's an observation. It's not your opinion, it's an observation from the text. And then A is that application. I noticed that Jesus walked on water, and then Peter walked on water too. Maybe I could walk on water. I, you know, maybe you could come up with that. And then you write a prayer and you say, God, I, I would love to be able to walk on water. That'd be really cool. It, my friends would think that was awesome when I go to the lake this weekend. And so soaping through the Bible is so helpful. And if you don't know how to use it, there's a, a guide out in our lobby. If you find a little section out there, the, the soap guide is out there in an area. There's a little uh, display that says Bible study on it. There's a soap guide and there's also a journal that we provide for you to use. And then the last one I'll just give you, and I, I thought this one was a pretty good one. I was reading about it the other day, and it was basically that you would commit to reading a, a book of the Bible a week. You know, because what happens a lot of times is we read the Bible in chunks. You know, we'll read them in, in you know, this verse or this chapter, or that chapter, or this chapter. And what happens is we lose sometimes the context. 
And if you don't have the context, it's hard to understand the text. You make sense? And so what happens, if you read a book a week, it'll help you keep more of the context in reading the Bible. Okay. Now, I know, I, I hope that was super practical for some of you, but, but I, I do really want to land here because I think it's important that we consider this as we think about reading the Bible. And that is until we are truly conquered by the truth of the gospel, in other words, my relationship with Jesus is real. Until I'm fully, fully convinced of that, um, the Bible remains a book about God instead of a book about our God. Does that make sense? Because it hasn't become personal yet. And the thing that I've discovered is that if it doesn't become personal, um, it's never going to move to the place that we really want it to come, to become. It, it has to become personal before it will become possible. It has to become personal before it will become possible and repeatable. It has to be something personal to me. And the Bible says that it's really easy for that to happen because I enter into a relationship with God. The reason I read my Bible is not because I have to. I read the Bible because I want to get to know the God that loves me. I read the Bible because I want to get to know the Savior that died for me. I read the Bible because I want to get to know the Holy Spirit who empowers me for the journey of God. I mean, I, I need it in my life. I'm desperate for you, for it. And that's what has to shift. Because what happens then is my desire is changed. My desire for it is changed. And I think sometimes we just got to be honest. It's part of the reason we don't read it is that's not true in our life. That our relationship with God hasn't become that to us. It's something maybe we said when we were a kid or maybe we did some religious activity. Maybe we went to a camp and got saved. I don't know. But until Jesus means something to me, I'm not going to go to the word to speak to that Jesus. But when he means that to me, man, I'm, I'm going after it. I want to know him. And so I want to pray for us as we end. God, I thank you so much for your word and what it means for each one of us. God, I know that there are people in this room that are really making decisions about what their Bible reading is going to look like. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, if that's you, I pray right now that God would give you the desire to begin to put this practice into your life, that you would begin to read it and repeat it in your life before you need it. God, I pray right now for each person that wants that to be true in their journey. Father, I also know that there are some in this room that maybe have drifted. Maybe at one time in their life, they, they would go after you. They would read consistently. But maybe it's not true anymore. Or maybe they've even drifted from the relationship. And you're like, I, 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 I have to get that right. So if that's you, I just want to pray for you. God, I pray right now for anybody in this room that feels that they've drifted. Maybe they've become undisciplined. Maybe they walked away. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring them back to your fold. God, that you would begin to speak into their lives. 
Father, that that relationship with you would become personable or personal. Father, I believe in faith that you're moving in that. And if that's you, just say, God, I need it. Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I'm sorry for the times that I've walked away, but I need you now. Would you come? Would you fill me with your presence? Help me, God, help me. Help me to have a desire for your word. You know, the Bible says that if we want to have a relationship with Christ, we can. If we want to have a relationship with Jesus, we can. And I don't know if you have one or you don't, but I know this, that God wants a relationship with you. He wants it so much that he was willing to send his son into this world to die for you. He loves you that much. And you can have that relationship if you want it. And so I want to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you know that you know that that relationship is not secured. You know that 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 has never been something true in your life. I want to be able to pray for you. And so the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, that he beat death on your behalf so that you could be restored back to God. If you'll believe that and put your faith in him, that he'll come in and he'll change you, he'll transform you, he'll save you. And so I'd love to be able to extend that to you. And if that's you, what I'd like for you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed is just simply lift your hand up on the count of three, just as a bold statement. As a bold statement of saying, you know, God, I'm in. I'm tired of, of tired of playing in the game or playing the game. I need you. And so right now on the count of three, just be bold. Make a statement of faith. No one's looking around, but lift up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just lift it up now. If that's you. God bless you. Good, good, good. All right. Church, nobody prays alone in here. And so if you did raise your hand, or maybe you even desired to raise your hand, but for some reason you couldn't, I think it's important you say these words. And so I'd like for you to repeat these words, church. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we need you. Would you forgive us our sins? We surrender our lives to you. Will you be our Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? I choose this day to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today? We're just so proud.